me just being like, ah, and then feeling weird about it because I was like, he's going to grow up and play Hitler. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where we take turns to pick a movie the other person hasn't seen and then we Skype each other and discuss such picture. Picture. My name is Ricardo Deacon. My name is Orla Magdines. You're listening to Dublin Digital Radio. Welcome. This week's movie was chosen by Orla. It is Spencer from 2021. What a year. What a year. between Princess Diana and Prince Charles has long since grown cold. Though rumours of affairs and a divorce abound, peace is ordained for the Christmas festivities at the Queen's estate. There's eating and drinking, shooting and hunting. Diana knows the game, but this year, things will be profoundly different. Yesterday, you arrived after the Queen. I got lost. Oh, how could you get lost? You've lived over the hill for years. It looks different now. Everything looks different. You sure you went late yesterday because you were delayed by someone? Why would you think I got delayed by someone? Oh, come on, come on. They are circling us. Didn't you know? Don't you read? It seems they're circling just me. Not you. Just me. The thing is, Diana, there has to be two of you. You know, there's, there's two of me, there's two of father, two of everyone. There's the real one and the one they take pictures of. So Orla, why did you pick Spencer? This is another one that, as is often the case uh, throughout the first half of the year after a Christmas, I usually pick some of the movies that I watched at Christmas because I try to make a big effort because it's the one time when you can sit around and eat Cadbury's roses and bags of crisps and watch movies sometimes three or four in one day. And it's very satisfying. Um, so, yeah, I watched this at Christmas, uh, which is kind of funny because it's obviously a movie set at Christmas. Um, <laughs> not exactly what I would call a cheerful Christmas film. Uh, but I was thinking about it earlier and it kind of reminded me in a way of um, something like Rachel Getting Married, which is a movie obviously about a wedding to a certain extent. But it's incredibly depressing, but also kind of, you know, reminds you of what's great about weddings. And in a way, this film kind of reminds me of the good things of Christmas in certain ways and, and by like comparison sometimes. Uh, yeah, this film is such a mood. Um, <laughs> there, are, uh, there are a lot of big comparisons, um, obviously, between this and Jackie. Um, you've seen Jackie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, I've seen Jackie. Yeah, well, I can. I think obviously he is most famous for those two films. Uh, but he's actually done. A, he has a really interesting filmography. Um, but uh, we'll we'll get to the the director in a minute. Um, yeah, like obviously these are both examinations of very famous women who sort of lived two lives of their interior life and their life in the spotlight. Um, 
their lives, but at like terrible times in their lives. So I think the greatest comparison for the films, like rather than just the subject matter, is the choice of when they're set. Like people make a big deal out of people as if it's revolutionary, which I don't think it is anymore of like making a biopic that doesn't go start to finish rather picks very pivotal points in a person's life as a way of examining their character and everything. And I think like something like Love and Mercy is a really good example of that, where you pick two points in a person's life and compare compare them like without having to have much need for this was what Brian Wilson was like as a child, etc. Um, but yeah, I think his, his choice of when he picks it for Jackie, as in there are flashbacks, obviously, in that film, but most of it takes place after the death of um, of JFK, um, which I think is interesting. And and so, like, the the history and the kind of public impact of that, their, both their relationship, but also of the person themselves, is kind of, like, implied through both flashback, but also in just the way the characters relate to each other. Um, so it's something similar here, where you're finding Diana at a point not too long like so i think this is uh december 1991 i think this is when this is supposed to be so it's at a point not very long before she separates from charles um and about like six years before her death um and yet what's fascinating is that she often feels like seconds from it like from her death um like she's already <laughs> she's already like mid dissolve when we meet her like which is interesting um and you only see kind of like glints of what she was when she met him, of how she was as a person. And I think she was like 20 when she met him as well, which is, he was significantly older. Um, but also like the, the kind of like what she will be whenever she's able to get away from him. Um, but not really him, more them. <laughs> because <laughs> you don't marry Charles, you marry the family. Um, like there's a really, there's a, there's a lovely little line um, uh, and one of the encounters she has with um with like the head chef in the in the house um uh I think he's actually the head chef just their head chef as a family I think he moved around with them depending on where they were um he talks about like you know we're worried about you and like thinking about the person who you were when you came here 10 years ago um yeah it's uh <laughs> there's a there's a great you know criterion do like a top 10 for different directors or like filmmakers or whatever and uh pablo rain picked um uh, <laughs> a woman under the influence as his number two uh unsurprisingly where he said kirsten stewart and i both love this movie very much so we saw it again when we were both when we were making spencer i love jenna rollins in that <clears throat> i love gina rollins in that role it's probably one of the best performances ever and the relationship that she had with casavetes was obviously beautiful it's hard to say what way it inspired us that's probably a question for kirsten but for me the two things were important um which i think is interesting because I think his relationship with her as a director and how she plays the role and how the movie is directed around her performance are very important. Yeah, so the director, I didn't actually realize, um, he did a, a Stephen King adaptation for Apple TV like last year that came out to absolutely zero impression on my life. I don't know if you had any awareness of that or not, but um, yeah, it's called Lizzie's, Lizzie's Story. Um, so it's like a six-parter or something but it's uh, Julianne Moore's in it and something about 
the him working with Julianne Moore makes complete sense to me. But like, <laughs> like, like, it's just there's something about like Julianne Moore uh, in a spiral and like in a very like and this sort of like delicate madness that she can kind of inhabit like oh i love her so much even whenever the film around her the tv show or whatever is bad like isn't she in what's the really bad one the woman in the window is that that one well like julia moore has a long track record of being in the best thing in terrible movies uh yeah i don't i don't want too long so i definitely want to get into this uh <laughs> yeah obviously the this the the music is is really incredible i think this is our second um sorry i've forgotten the names of literally everyone uh what did we do uh with you were walking never phoenix really yeah you were never really here yeah so i think that's the second one um uh i really love this soundtrack um i saw it described as a genre bender as in that he's kind of mixing like sort of jazz but also kind of like more baroque music and stuff and i i really like it um the cinematography i think is excellent this is our i think triple offender Claire Mathon now because she did um uh she did Portrait of a Lady on Fire and Petite Maman and now this as well um I think also that this I love this because like the the hair and makeup is really well done I think uh we can talk about the clothes because that's a separate thing but um uh I mean I've been watching a lot of things recently where I would describe them as wiggy that's <laughs> in as soon as you look at someone you're like wig and then that's all you can think about how badly applied their wig is. And I've been watching. God, forgive me for my sins. I've been watching um, The Time Traveler's Wife, the series. <laughs> is it better than the movie? No. Uh, well, oh, that's a complicated question. But they have this device uh, in order to like, it's sort of like they're like interviews with the with the two with the couple at like various points in their life where they're like really old talking about different stuff like two camera where they're like oh well oh henry i always knew i was going to marry henry is that the question you wanted me to answer it's so bad it, it, it you know. but what makes it even worse is that the hair and makeup is like comically bad like i would rather someone just not look properly older than have bad hair and makeup you know what I mean? It's like it's yeah. If it's distractingly uh, bad, you kind of I'll send you are pictures. Distracted by it, uh. but I do love about this is that even though like the hair is very important to Diana, but also like the subtleness of her makeup as well is really important. That like so much of the time, like you were you were very drawn into Kristen Stewart's eyes, um, and obviously the most of that is her performance, but also like how how her face is framed by like this just very 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 subtle makeup um yeah the clothes are fascinating because like that's such a big part of who diana was and it's interesting because uh kirsten stewart is playing someone who was 510 as a person who was 55 which is kind of interesting that she she has a sort of a similar physique in a way because obviously she's very she's very slight and has the very like slight shoulders and she kind of looks taller than she is but it's interesting how the clothes really are a way of her like um, like with the big Chanel jacket and the shoes, the really 80s shoes and stuff. And even though so much of it is obviously taken from real life, they're, they're uh, reconstructions of outfits that Diana wore, most of them. Uh, obviously, we see her in the wedding dress and everything, but like that kind of stuff, it's it still feels subtly done. And it's a way that it's worn. It's the way that they're made. It's the way that they're shot. And I think that stuff is really important. Um, but uh, yeah, everything feels very lived in. Even... I think Charles, like, I think the performance of Charles is really great, but also 
a lot of it is not just his voice, but the way that he stands. So when he's got the hand and the high pocket, you know, it's very, it's just, it's those little mannerisms I think are really great. Um, yeah, his performance is great. Uh, obviously, Christian Stewart is great. We'll get to that. Um, what else? Uh, oh, yeah, the chef. So the, that's, he was, obviously, they had a head chef, but she did have a good relationship with him. But he, real dude, uh, now doesn't work in the, the palace anymore, has a YouTube channel where he cooks things that the queen likes. <laughs> and he's this, like, middle-aged, very, very British man obsessed with the monarchy and he'll tell you about how you have to make it this way because the queen doesn't like things this way and it's charming but also creepy as fuck um yeah so i'll, I'll shut up so <laughs> i'm not under any illusions uh i know that this film can be incredibly grating if it does not grab you immediately uh if her performance bugs you if the soundtrack bugs you i think it's a house of cards that will just tumble <laughs> So <laughs> I do, but I do think that I think it'd be really fun to talk about, even if you hated it, because there's so much crazy shit going on in this movie. So uh, yeah, let's go. What do you think of Spencer? Spencer. I hated it. <laughs> Gas, go on, go. In, go for it. In fairness, like uh, I do think that uh, there are very few. I don't think there's a. A single piece of media that was made predominantly about the Saxe, Kalborg and Gotha family, a.k.a. the Windsors. They're no. German. Let's mm, not forget no. about it. The Saxe, Kalborg and Gotha family are terrible people. And uh, I just don't enjoy it. Like, I, I have zero interest in their lives and like the idea of royalty and everything else. And it takes a very particular approach that has to be unique let's say for it to work for me and in a way i'll get to it but in a way i feel the same about american presidents and stuff because mostly they're terrible people as well hmm. so with the exception of jimmy carter the peanut peanut farmer who was the <laughs> like as a person like he was the only person that still fucked up dude because they, he did terrible things because any president of America does terrible things. But he was the only one that was like genuinely a good person, but perhaps why he was a bad president overall for America. But in general, it's like, I don't think that it does as much interesting things as Jackie did. And Jackie was another movie that I was like very... Uh, I expected to dislike a lot before watching and then I was shocked how good it was but not mm. not based on like the actual filmmaking skill behind it is that how interesting the portrayal of Jackie but also of everything in the background well this movie it just didn't interest me whatsoever when it comes to both character and the film itself and I think that it runs into the, I think that the biggest flaw as a movie is that a lot of pretty much everything that you, you need to understand the movie is extra textual. Mm. Because even if you don't know that Diana died or the way that she died or the divorce and the paparazzis or whatever, she's not really a tragic figure in this movie. Do you think and Jackie manages, manages to escape that entirely, though? I'm just curious. Yes. 
I think that Jackie, because Jackie has the the effect of having to deal with direct grief, but also with the, the having to safeguard her family and the legacy of Jack. Mm-hmm. Because also being in the family that she is, she has to same way the allusions to Camelot that are in Jackie like the movie but also the idea of Camelot as the propaganda that was around JFK at the time is the idea of knights around the round table and she positioned her children to be in the same position as Jack's father positioned Jack to give them the literally he was the king so they have the right whenever they're brought up to to reach uh those heights, the, the tragedy just, of um, them getting killed, etc. Can we just take a moment to say, uh, fuck political dynasties? <laughs> exactly, yeah, like, uh, but in general, like, uh, well, any dynasty, really. <laughs> um, we are anti-dynasty. <laughs> but I think that the, because there's so much, like, even, like, Charles comes across as a just like a bad husband not a terrible person like everything like the movie portrays in a way and rightly so that like diana's in this kind of locked in situation that is driving her literally insane because she can't be herself but the movie chooses like random things to point at like that are completely reasonable that is you know if I'm not a controlling uh, partner but if i knew that there's like a photographer across the road from trying to take a picture of my partner i'd be like can you not get naked in front of the window you know it'd be just you know the way that it's done is kind of creepy or whatever but it's reasonable let's say and i know that there's like the thing with the weight etc but it's it's up being more about how kind of quirky the family is rather than how terrible they actually are you know considering that they probably killed her it's like there's a <laughs> lot of like uh, no, uh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah like he was just a bad driver a she rang somebody and went make it look like an accident uh, that hung up and then but in general i think that how can i put it like because I'm not interested at all in Diana, like even as a character, like Diana was an interesting person altogether, but I think that the parts that this movie focus on are not the parts that are interesting. I think the parts that are interesting are more like, because yes, being a mod- good mother and um, how to negotiate a situation where you have no power when you're used to power, it could be interesting, but not really, let's say. Like, I think that the dichotomy of her being both somebody that was incredibly privileged that tried to help people that had nothing, but at the same time never was able to check her privilege is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. That somebody that saw so much poverty and, like, still fucking rocked up in a, like, shack in the middle of Africa dressed in Dior is like, <laughs> you know, fucking... It's kind of like where how do you square that circle? I think that doesn't make her like a particularly good or bad person, it just makes her more interesting than what this movie tries to focus on, at least like in my opinion. Like um 
like I, for example, I think that the period, even though it is a less like far worse movie, don't get me wrong, I hated this movie, but this is not Diana with Naomi Watts. But I think that like a good director and a like a better director, or like in fairness, like the guy that directed that Diana movie is the guy that did Downfall, and that's a really good movie. So he's not like somebody without devoid of talent. It might have what been did the I wrong. Watch? Oh my god, I watched. Sorry, this is such a tangent, but uh, just thinking of Downfall, I watched um, the American Friend the other day, yeah, and so I now good. have the, the I now have Dennis such Hopper. a crush on young fucking Bruno Gans. Oh my god. I was like, I was so in love with him. <laughs> I spent the entire movie just being like, ah, and then feeling weird about it because I was like, he's going to grow up and play Hitler. <laughs> and an angel. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It balances uh, itself out. Maybe a little. Uh, great movie. But though. like, consider that like Diana, like Diana, especially this movie, I, I really dislike, even though obviously this movie does make the point that she lived next door to the Windsors or the German family but it doesn't make it uh, so clear that she is the daughter of the 8th Earl of Spencer that like she comes from royalty as well mm-hmm. it's not like a commoner it's the same as fucking Kate Middleton that is like is it like saying that fucking William married a commoner is like I don't know fucking saying that you married a court person and that they're not Irish or something is just doesn't square. It's difficult, you know. It's difficult it's for just, us commoners because I think once you go over a certain level of wealth, it's like it's all the same, really, isn't it? Um, yeah, like I think fucking they, Kay Middleton went to school with William. She, If you are in the same class as the, Prince William, it's not that you're like devoid of cash. There's not like some lad that grew up in the projects in London going like, oh, yeah, Prince William was my classmate. But it's even like, I think what's interesting at that, like, I wish this movie had like alluded to a little bit more, because if you don't know this, you're just not going to know, is that she first met Charles in her, I think in her house, because like they used to be going to each other's houses because they were such neighbors and they were obviously peers. But what's creepy is that she would have been like five years old and Charles would have been like a teenager and then they would have met at different like occasions or whatever and then like I think as well what's annoying from the tying Diana's family into it is that uh, her parents divorced uh, and like her relationship with her father was in a way very similar to how the Windsors are because he had no real capacity as a sort of a like upper crust British man to showing affection to his children at all so there's like little bits in this movie that don't make a lot of sense because she's like obviously idealized this childhood and like it doesn't which kind of makes sense but it's also i don't know i feel i feel a little mingled about that because obviously i have all this context to it that you didn't have going into it so it's like <laughs> the closest yeah, but also like it's the the fact that if you read anything about british royalty everybody is a fucking quirky inbred person the like fucking has these kind of like weird traditions anyway even if you're like loyal low royalty it wouldn't be you know if you or i go to fucking windsor castle or whatever the fuck this movie set i hope not and suddenly go oh you have to dress this way god damn it you have to dress everything is forced on us or whatever it's like you know that that's what happens in christmas like every other one of those families have like the hunting everything it's not that she's 
they make her look like an outsider when she's literally not as well oh there's like a different level to it and also it's the fact that you're having to do all this stuff while under the scrutiny of the press not just the family yeah but even like the what charles says that he makes it like the movie makes it sound like he is an absolute monster for saying it how there's like a person like a person for the public and a person for yourself otherwise you go insane that's what every single actor and famous person and author that I've read says that you actually have to do that to keep yourself sane because otherwise every time that somebody criticizes you on the press or your work you take it personal and obviously no matter how much praise is out there you'll always find the shit you know like if you It'll get 99 percent yeah. on rotten tomatoes you'll be reading the fucking one percent of the bad reviews you're not reading any of the 99 percent of the good ones <laughs> and you're just gonna be thinking about them so i i do think that like that's what i'm saying though like the extra contextual like part uh, you had to bring like i know that there is the the rumors that there was uh, the his affair with Camilla was forever, but the movie never fucking brings that up. She's just there, you know. And also considering how cold the marriage is and how the movie implies that they're already separated to a certain degree, mm-hmm. that it's not really it is cheating, but not in the same way as sleeping in the same bed as your partner and pretending that everything is okay while you're going philandering in the streets of London or something. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> just wait until has... the tapes. Just wait until the tapes come out. Um, sorry, it's the way you're sitting at the minute, like I can only see like it's kind of as if like the Heineken bottle is talking to me. <laughs> Ricardo is working with uh, doing some Carlsberg. Michael Bay with his perspective here. Ah, <laughs> oh, there's your lovely face. Um, so yeah. Like... <laughs> So in general, like I think that the performances are great. I, I like Sean Harris. I like Timothy Spall. Um, mm. Only man that looks worse whenever uh, losing that much weight. Jesus Christ, he looks like a ghost. Like probably <laughs> is something that like he's aged incredibly in the last two or three years. I hope that his health is okay because mm. it's kind of if you see something from three years ago, and it's not just this movie. Like it, I like and. Timothy, if you're listening, I'm not being mean. Like, you're listen, a great no, man. Go and listen to our episode on Mr. Turner. We fucking love you. <laughs> so, like, it is, um, like, the performances are great. I do think that, like, even Charles and the, the person played the Queen, they're, like, good performances. Soundtrack is great. The cinematography is great. I think that if there is, like, I don't know if it is that I carry so much baggage for being like anti-royalty kind of uh, the like I'd rather fucking walk into uncommon traffic than watch the crown I see like I know that it is like technically well made but like so was triumph of the will like um, it makes you it really 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 the way it starts when she's only like a little baby queen it really, really makes you feel sorry for her. And yeah, but it is propaganda. I, it I, is literally I, so you don't fucking go and overthrow the fucking monarchy. But, That's but what people, it's there. People write about it as if it's like, this is a revolutionary thing. We're getting all the secrets of Buckingham Palace. And I'm like, maybe? 
There's, well, like there's, if, there's if, the if, odd it, reveal of like how crazy Lady fucking Margaret was or whatever, but like the is it is that well, worth it for the if propaganda? The new season shows Prince Andrew in that pizza shop, and then like in the nineties, <laughs> fucking uh, the Queen it's a Pizza Express uh, calls the, the the hit squad whenever they kill Diana. Like then I'll go, I'll watch it. I if the if that's in the fucking show, I'll watch it. But until that happens, fuck it. But what I mean is that I don't know if it is like obviously I am rather predisposed to dislike this movie which but i, I was not that, aware of to the extent i think when i picked it silly or not yeah it's quite hilarious that like because you like I, I don't have a problem with like necessarily with britishness the same way that you mm. did whenever we did like something like oh what a lovely word that you're like oh it's just too british <laughs> but for me it's more like the idea of uh like power structures always yeah, interest me. And like the, it, I think the, and I think that like you know something like remains of the day. Uh, who oh like, banger! We also watched that at Christmas. Sorry, just did. yeah. Like, but you have the similar thing that, or even um, another house housing like like country estate movie, uh, British movie like fucking uh, Gosford Park. Ooh, another banger. That it it. it makes you know because even fucking like you say your man the british guy the the chef or whatever the movie n- never depicts the true tragedy or like 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 uh, what's her name um sally hawkins is the the saddest oh, character in the hands. movie and she's just played there as like the tragedy that she loves diana that is like the problem was it's diana like oh she's just there as as uh Diana say whether it's true or not I don't really care to be honest but if it was the case that if it was I do think that it's much more interesting if it was a just hinted at or b that it's not it doesn't matter she's just somebody that like her job like the problem is that her job is to make Diana feel comfortable and that's Mm -hmm. the most important part of her life doesn't matter like if her dad is dying doesn't matter if her she has kids going to school graduating or whatever if Diana is sad and they she gets the call from the queen it's like oh you have to show up tomorrow whatever the fuck so like there is royal things you know there is like this thing but also like i have very 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 weird relationship with stephen knight the writer of this movie yeah what an Um, odd chap that dude is weird uh uh, peaky blinders as well as dirty pretty things i think i saw earlier it's like fascinating Fascinating. yeah like he's done dirty pretty things amazing grace and eastern promises back to back which were all good in their own way Mm. even though like Amazing Grace is like white savior fucking complex to the the oh. max kind of thing oh the British the you know, like we stopped that. slavery but uh, you also invented modern slavery no 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 let's just mention how we stopped it 300 years later but then he's the like and Locke is really good the one with um, oh shit yeah 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 um, um, Hardy Tom Hardy yeah, but then he's done uh, The Hundred Foot Journey that is a terrible movie that I watched on a terrible date. So Oh, God! <laughs> at that Helen Mirren Indian restaurant romantic comedy. <laughs> what? Sorry, I need to look up Hundred Foot. Uh, the poster will make you want to watch this movie so much. 
Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, God. Uh, uh, is this culturally insensitive? <laughs> yes, uh, it's... Oh, no. Is this she learns to cook thanks to, like, helpful brown people or something? So, Steve and I had also done fucking Burnt, that really bad movie with, uh, about, oh, with uh, Bradley chef. Cooper, that um, he's a chef. Yeah. He did Allied. Is that what that's called? Yeah. Uh, burnt? Yeah, Burnt. He also did that terrible, terrible Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt, uh, Robert Zemeckis World War II movie, Allied. <gasps> oh my God, this is so mid-90s. This is... Oh, he's such a... How did he end up on this movie? That's so weird. Yeah, and then he did like the girls in the spider web, the 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 sequel to. Oh, actually, that's our crown connection because uh, uh, it's Claire Foy. Yes, exactly. And then yeah. then he did Serenity, the Matthew McConaughey movie that is like one of the worst things I've ever seen, but it's incredible. <laughs> and the twist at the end is worth it. Have you ever seen <laughs> Serenity? No, is that not based on something? It's based on if it's based on something. It, it's based on absolute poison. That's what it's based on. <laughs> the uh, the trailer is fucking spectacular, though. Oh, on Plymouth Island, no one ever dies unless you break the rules. <laughs> A film by Academy Award nominee Stephen Knight. Don't get me wrong; is that like everything in this movie just felt off. Like when it came to the writing and the plotting, but just off ish, you know, it's just the accumulation of things rather than like it's a house of cards. Yeah, but it's more than anything. Like, not really. Like, like I said, like I had the predisposition for not liking this movie, and it is incredibly well made. And I do like Pablo Lorraine as a filmmaker in general. Like. A, I really uh, want to see um, Neruda in particular. Um, yeah, he seems to have made a few um, Chilean films over the last while. That uh, That's what's interesting about him. And he, his next movie is about, um, I think it's in post-production, actually. Uh, um, yeah, because people are like, oh, he's the, he's the biopic guy. And I'm like, not really. He's done a lot of really interesting stuff. He's made like three or four movies with, um, what do you call him, um, Gail Garcia Bernal. I also do think that sometimes movies like this, critics sometimes go, ah, I need to like it because it's well made. And you actually have to engage in a certain way with a movie because, you know, sometimes you, you see movies that are not particularly good, I think, but because they're well made, like Ravenous is a very clear example. Production values, production value, not Ravenous, uh, the, the Revenant. Oh, uh, no, nope, or like Babel, like I think your Maniaritu has like a like has made a career of that making terrible movies that <laughs> pretend to be good. You kind but of he didn't. He used all natural light, Ricardo. Yeah, Poor Leonardo had an awful time in the woods. Yeah, and he certainly made a made us certain that he did because it's like, oh, God, I'm acting. Like his, with his hand outstretched for the Oscar his performance in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood it's so much better because it's just yeah. relaxed kind of thing like leaning into <laughs> he's similar to George Clooney it's like 
Don't get the guy to act. Just make him, make him like just vibe it, man. Just vibe don't it. Don't make him do. Yeah, it's all vibes. Seriously. Um, but I, I, yeah. I think that sometimes this happens that like movie because you actually have to fully engage of what the movie is saying sometimes to try to understand why it doesn't work. And if you mm. can't just point at like, oh, Kirsten Stewart is bad in this, you can't like, and that's not the case, obviously. So then suddenly, oh, movie's great because it looks great, sounds great, it's well directed, is <laughs> well everything, like it's well made, sound design is really good, and everything else. But like you said, more than like a house of cards, it's more the like I do think the filmmaking is like cooking. And sometimes that mm. just not having the correct proportions just makes the dish feel a little bit off. And if you're making it's some- not bad, it's just it kind of actually you're saying there about the the reviews. It kind of made me think of like a festival reviews to a certain extent as well. That sometimes people kind of get caught up in the thing and stuff. But it's interesting how like in the Guardian that like Zan Brooks gives it five stars and Peter Bradshaw gives it three. Yeah, and it's interesting there sort of approach to the thing and i feel like i fall somewhere in between the two because i don't think it's a five-star movie but it's quite it's not quite a three-star movie either i'm somewhere in the middle but it's just it's interesting how like zan brooks is just overwhelmed by the whole thing and like peter bradshaw's like huh <laughs> there are really good things about this but huh <laughs> you know and i don't entirely agree with him about what his what he didn't like about the film but it's just interesting to read the two side by side which good often like it just feels like a differing of opinion or whatever but yeah it's just those two in particular because i do like both those reviewers and i tend to agree with them in certain points and stuff um like even in the the, the people that met diana have said that like uh, kirsten stewart's portrayal is spot on both like in the personal and stuff and you think again like it's an inspired choice to be picked like I rather if they had like this crew had made Diana the like the like taking that part of her life. Yeah. You know, because that is way more interesting. How do you move on from this and then date somebody that is not as controlling and stuff I, like that? I, yeah, I think as well as that like what was so tragic about her death was that she died after she had escaped. So she and she really had, to a certain extent, found happiness. Yeah, that's why she, she had to be killed. killed. So, <laughs> so like that is what was tragic allegedly. about her, as much as like, allegedly, <laughs> just in case the lawyers of the fucking German family are listening. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's all vibes. I think that's why I really like this movie. I think also I probably wouldn't have enjoyed this movie as much if I hadn't. Uh, I listened to there's a podcast I really like called um, uh, "You're Wrong About." Um, and they did a whole, it was during lockdown, I think they did a whole deep dive into Diana. They did like a four part season or four part episode on her. So it was like, the thing about you're wrong about is that they, they sort of go back into recent history and recontextualize how both the public and also the media reacted to something to show you that like your perception of that is completely wrong here's why um and it's usually like a lot of like people like tanya harding and people who have had sort of like a reimagining or reach like, similarly you know. to the pamela sex tape tv show that is like really a, a series about how like the uh, that was really the beginning of paparazzi culture and the demonizing of the sexuality of women based on how tommy lee 
basically got away with like nothing happened to him while Pamela yeah, Anderson or, is like demonized for having like, a sex life. Or Janet Jackson. Indeed, also how whenever like her also not her fucking Justin Timberlake pulled the thing off and revealed her boob and everyone she it was completely blamed on her because it was seen as her doing a stunt and that she was trying to promote an album and all this stuff even though Justin Timberlake just skated away into the fucking sunshine and like Tanya Harding my acting career oh. <laughs> uh, yeah well this is so they did a whole deep dive so the whole thing is that you were often dealing with with people who were very complicated like Tanya Harding was not a perfect person but she was also incredibly nuanced and all the things that happened to her were very important so much like diana diana did a lot of very fucked up things and also was suspended in this moment of complete privilege but also a lot of very horrible things happened to her so that i came at this with a lot of the context that i think you were missing but like i i get the context of diana and i think that she's an interesting person and i think that but this movie is not interesting in, in any because even if I want to watch like at every level, if I want to watch a movie that is about like that kind of thing, there is a better mm. movie. If it's about the the people that are running this kind of states, you have uh, Godsford Park and fucking um, oh, remains the of the day. Hopkins one with the Nazis, also oh, good. If you Emma Thompson. Oh yeah, like that that scene where he's holding the book. Oh, oh so great. British repression. Uh, oh, I could see my veins. There, I think part of the problem is that there's very little interaction between Diana and anybody else in this movie. And it makes it... Except for Anne Boleyn. Sorry? <laughs> Except for Anne Boleyn. Yeah, like that is also like so fucking... <laughs> in. Oh yeah, subtext. Yes, it reminded me of that line that I've quoted often quoted in in this oh, uh, in this podcast is the line in dark dark garth moranga's dark place like he said i've uh, i've met authors that have used subtext and they're all cowards <laughs> so uh pick one what was your favorite thing like i think that it is uh kirsten Stewart's performance i think that it is very difficult to like first like the dialogue coach very good must have been in this movie because she's completely mm -hmm. in the accent so there's no you can't you know like sometimes you get like fucking you know tom cruise and firing away or something like that so you can tell that the first thing is the accent and the, because you can commit to a bad accent that's the thing with jackie going back to jackie fucking natalie portman probably somebody just went <coughs> Do your best Jackie Onassis impression. And Natalie Portman went flowers. like... Eh, <laughs> and they went, yeah, that's great. But just stick with that. Again, like More completely, flowers. completely fucking good at doing that voice. Or horses. And it's like, does it matter that it doesn't sound like Jackie Onassis? No, as long as it becomes completely natural as to your performance. As long as it's consistent, yeah. Consistency is everything. Like, it really is. Just just stick to it. And also, like, not only consistent, that you're able to reproduce it without thinking. So your thought mm. process is in the performance rather than, like, how your mouth is moving. And I think her performance in this movie, Kirsten Stewart, is very, very good, both in the mannerisms and so. And as you said, that is kind of... She's able to play down Diana, considering also that Diana was both small and married to a very tall man, that Charles is quite tall for a yeah. German inbred. 
but sorry allegedly but um well it was like they're allegedly german i think they are german right well like his dad is greek so that doesn't make it that much better but no like because they were all german family like fucking queen victoria's fucking children just roaming around the world just giving fucking hemophilia to everybody but <laughs> what was your favorite thing uh okay it's it's joint between uh christian stewart's performance and also just the guy the chef reading out the crazy menus because <laughs> he's like i love that actor he's really good he just he pops up on things every now and then he's just he's great he's a great kind of character dude but um he uh i just i love the way that that whole the like the focus on the madness of the food and like the kitchen is the kitchen from the shining and like every part of that is great but i love that so much um yeah here's the student well it's funny is that like i've loved her for like a long time i know everyone kind of had their thing with both her and robert pattinson where it's like oh my god they're actually good actors and they went off when they did all their art house stuff and had a great time and everyone suddenly realized that maybe they weren't just the twilight people i love twilight so i refuse to shit out on it um but what's interesting about her is that i always really liked her and i loved her performances but i never felt that she truly disappeared which is something that a lot of actors that are really good can't even do where they're able to for you completely forget that that's that person and there are points in this movie where she's just gone she's she's it's not that she's diana it's that she's this version of diana and i find that fascinating and even on like the second watch like i think her accent is like 99 percent, but it's so close that you don't even really it doesn't bother me at all like, like the accent or the voice no the accent as in like that there's this, there's like one or two inflections of a word that aren't quite there but like everything else is is so it's so good it's it it's kind of like how when you watch the wire and how what he calls accent is mcnulty where he's doing baltimore like 90 percent of the time and then every so often he just slips <laughs> and it's only for a second but you don't care because like he's really good in that and it's the wire you know dominic, it's like, it doesn't yeah, really matter dominic, but uh, dominic west yeah. yeah but like it's whenever you're watching something where the person's accent isn't bad but the movie's pretty subpar that it's like, it just sticks out like a sore thumb, you know, and you're like, I hate it. I hate it. Never let them do it again. Like Oscar Isaac when he died. <laughs> yeah. uh, what was your least favorite thing? Just as a note, since you mentioned Sean Harris, you know, uh, like it's kind of weird that like uh, even in his Wikipedia, uh, they don't even know what his age is. It's like 55, 56. <gasps> Fascinating. And I always forget that he played a very good version of fucking um, of Ian Curtis in 24 Hour Party People. Oh my god, is that that guy? Yeah. Oh, see? See? You could probably name like 10 more roles that he's played and I'll be like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. It's just like he just, he never registered I think until this movie that now I know his name. Good old Sean Harris. Thank you for your service. Well, uh, my least favorite thing is that this movie is about the German family. Like, um, it's fair. No, also that it doesn't bring anything new to the table about their about them per se. You know, if they fucking, I don't know. Like, it's it's kind of like yeah, like they're terrible people. What's next? Like, I I didn't know like. 
even if they're like even if they leaned on the like quirky kind of traditional part and it's like oh did you know that they like fucking i don't know they choke a possum before opening presents on christmas day i'd be like okay that, that that's fun i didn't know that don't even care if it's true or not i'll believe it because it's the german family they're weird but but like this movie doesn't do anything that you know it's literally that you got the like goats of like cinematography soundtrack acting fucking directing and got like a fucking hallmark fucking script and just went okay we'll just delete all the dialogue there because fuck, fuck you if you don't like christmas <laughs> no, but like i love movies about christmas but this is not even like fucking it doesn't even lean into it you know like the it it like the fucking i don't know like oh i what you get like my lobster is like fuck off with your metaphor it's like subtext doesn't exist it's just they're pasted over and like fucking Anne Boleyn because she got murdered the same way that diana did allegedly by the german family but the fact of him putting the book back at the end i was like you know even if you just had the book there it's like, it's enough. Yeah. I know who Amberlynn was. I don't need fucking any other shit. Like, it's grand. Thank you. Heavy-handed even at that because, you know, <laughs> like, what's next? Fucking, I don't know. Like, fucking, oh, yeah. I don't know. Shit. Like, where's Prince Andrew in this movie as well? <laughs> <laughs> No, but like, like I'm not that saying that every movie should have Prince Andrew, but it's like as a royalty kind of thing. It's like the same. Ah, oh, he suddenly had got COVID <laughs> oh for the jubilee. You know the way oh. that you know the way that guy, you know that guy that photoshops Paddington yeah. into like also Paddington the class trader turning up with that Ben Wishaw class trader, um, turning up with that thing with the Queen. Fuck me, um, Robotronic Queen. Uh, he photoshops Paddington into like a scene in every like a movie every day. I wanted to be that, but with Prince Andrew. <laughs> well, that was Spencer. Uh, Spencer. Yeah. So if they want to go back and listen to our episodes on starring uh, Claire Mathon as cinematographer slash Johnny Greenwood as uh, uh soundtrack where can they find us they can find us on facebook the recommendation game on twitter at the rec game our back episodes are on the dublin digital radio Mixcloud, and on spotify and your podcaster choice and you can email mm. us at the recommendation game at gmail.com if you like and if you want to listen to us quote unquote live it's 11 to 12 mondays on dublin digital radio uh next week's film is ricardo's pick and we're going off into the past this is noir Ernie kubrick yeah i just don't know uh yeah what what are you uh, picking the killing mm. awesome well uh until then i was orla medinas and i was ricardo deacon thanks for listening see you next week uh-huh. cool pearls <laughs> <laughs>